This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of intervertebral disc from the spine section on orthobullets.com. The intervertebral disc functions to allow spinal motion and provide stability. It also links adjacent vertebral bodies together and is responsible for 25% of the spinal column height. The intervertebral disc is composed of two major parts, the annulus fibrosus and the nucleus pulposus. The annulus fibrosus is the outer structure that encases the nucleus pulposus. It's composed of type 1 collagen that is obliquely oriented. Again, the annulus fibrosus is composed of type 1 collagen that is obliquely oriented. It's also composed of water and proteoglycans. It's characterized by high tensile strength and its ability to prevent intervertebral distraction. It remains flexible enough to allow for motion. The annulus fibrosis has a high collagen slash low proteoglycan ratio, or to put another way, it has a low percent dry weight of proteoglycans. Again, the annulus fibrosis has a high collagen low proteoglycan ratio, or a low percent dry weight of proteoglycans. The annulus fibrosis also contains fibroblast-like cells that are responsible for producing type 1 collagen and proteoglycans. Moving on to the nucleus pulposus, this is the central portion of the intervertebral disc that is surrounded by the annulus fibrosus. It's composed of type 2 collagen, unlike the type 1 collagen of the annulus fibrosus. The nucleus pulposus is also composed of water and proteoglycans. It's approximately 88% water. The hydrophilic matrix is responsible for the height of the intervertebral disc. The nucleus pulposus is characterized by compressibility because it's a hydrated gel due to the high polysaccharide content and high water content. Proteoglycans interact with water and resist compression. Agrican is the specific proteoglycan primarily responsible for maintaining the water content of the disc. The visoelastic matrix of the intervertebral disc distributes the forces smoothly to the annulus and the end plates. The nucleus pulposus has the opposite collagen-slash-proteoglycan ratio as the annulus fibrosus, so it has a low collagen-slash-high-proteoglycan ratio, or to put another way, a high percent dry weight of proteoglycans. Remember that the annulus fibrosus has a high collagen-slash-low-proteoglycan ratio, or a low percent dry weight of proteoglycans. The nucleus pulposus is made up of chondrocyte-like cells that survive in hypoxic conditions and are responsible for producing type 2 collagen and proteoglycans. As far as the blood supply, the disc is avascular with capillaries terminating at the end plates. Nutrition reaches the nucleus pulposus through diffusion through pores in the end plates, as the annulus is not porous enough to allow diffusion. Again, nutrition reaches the nucleus pulposus through diffusion through pores in the end plates as the annulus is not porous enough to allow diffusion. As far as the innervation of the intervertebral disc, the dorsal root ganglion gives rise to the sinuvertebral nerve which innervates the superficial fibers of the annulus. No nerve fibers extend beyond the superficial fibers. Neuropeptides thought to participate in sensory transmission include substance P, calcitonin, VIP or vasoactive intestinal polypeptide, and CPON or C-flanking peptide of neuropeptide Y. With respect to fixation, the intervertebral disc is attached to the vertebral bodies by hyaline cartilage. Now, let's briefly talk about disc biomechanics. The disc has viscoelastic characteristics, such as creep, which allows for deformity over time. 
The disc also demonstrates hysteresis, which allows for energy absorption with repetitive axial compression. This property decreases with time. With respect to stresses on the intervertebral disc, the annulus fibrosus has the highest tensile stresses. The nucleus pulposus has the highest compressive stresses. With respect to the intradiscal pressure, this is position-dependent. Pressure is lowest when lying supine, pressure is intermediate when standing, and pressure is highest when sitting and flexed forward with weights in the hands. When carrying weight, the closer the object is to the body, the lower the pressure. With respect to stability, following subtotal discectomy, extension is the most stable loading mode. Finally, let's talk about the pathoanatomy of the intervertebral disc. With respect to disc herniation, herniated discs are associated with a spontaneous increase in the production of osteoprotegrin, interleukin-1-beta, rank ligand, and parathyroid hormone. Disc aging leads to an overall loss of water content and conversion to fibrocartilage. Again, disc aging leads to an overall loss of water content and conversion to fibrocartilage. Specifically, there's a decrease in nutritional transport, water content, absolute number of viable cells, proteoglycans, and pH, while there is an increase in the keratin sulfate to chondroitin sulfate ratio, lactate, degradative enzyme activity, and the density of fibroblast-like cells. Remember that fibroblast-like cells reside in the annulus fibrosis only. So again, remember, disc aging causes an increase in the density of fibroblast-like cells, which reside only in the annulus fibrosis. This has been a tested concept in the past. Finally, remember that disc aging causes no change in the absolute quantity of collagen. That's all for this review about intervertebral discs. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.